Hi, welcome to this week's VFX show. I'm Mike Seymour and we are going to Asgard to hang out with Thor and uh, <laughs> joined by Matt. Well, how are you, Matt? Uh, you actually have a son called Thor, so sorry, that's why I was laughing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, I'm I'm really good. All is well here in uh, sunny but cool uh, Virginia. And, uh, and, and we also have Jason Diamond. How are you, Jason? Uh, Good, same. We are, I think Matt and I are enjoying the same weather pattern. I guess I should ask then, did Thor like the film? Has Thor seen Thor? Uh, yeah, me and uh, me and my son who just turned 14, Whoa. which is really freaky teenage years. But um, yeah, we went and saw Thor with uh, and uh, my wife, Chrissy. And so the three of us all went and saw it and we loved it. We had such a good time. It was really fun. There was like, you know, audible laughter uh, in our aisle uh, every time uh, Korg was on screen. <laughs> he is a scene stealer and uh, obviously acted by the director, uh, New Zealand director, um, who's totally sort of transformed Thor in my opinion. Um, I'm not the first to say this, but what I found terrific about this film is that Thor was one of the most interesting characters in it. I have to say, in some of the earlier Thor films, as much as I like the actor, um, I didn't think Thor himself was as interesting. I kind of wanted to see Loki totally. the whole time. Uh, but this time I was quite happy to see, uh, but that sort of slightly marginalized Loki as a character. I can't, actually, I don't know if that was a plot or the fact that he had overzealous hair dye that made me want to <laughs> marginalize him. But um, yeah, anyway, I was very uh, happy to see a Thor film where Thor was the character you wanted to have up on screen. So, um, yeah, that was good. So we're going to get into the visual effects. Uh, before we do that, we're going to discuss the uh, sort of the nature of the plot. And so, Jason, if I could start with you, like um, we have had a lot of these films now and it sort of became apparent that they were becoming a bit like, well, let's pick a genre like a, a heist film and then we make that Ant-Man or let's make a, you know, a, a buddy film or whatever it was and then they'd sort of like go off with one of those. Do you think this one falls into one of those categories? Is this the sort of like comedy Marvel Universe movie or was it just a good Thor film full stop? I mean, I think it was a good Thor movie full stop. I think it might be my favorite. Uh, the first one was okay. The second one I didn't really see that much of. And this one I really, really enjoyed. I'm a huge Taika Waititi fan. So I was super excited when he, they said he was going to do it. And I was really interested to see where they're going to take it. And uh, I saw some stuff online with Chris Hemsworth, who plays Thor, who said he only agreed to do another Thor movie if they could do something different with the movie and expand the characters instead of like, just like you're saying, my cookie cutter kind of like, you know, this is this, of uh, this Thor film will be this, this Thor film will be this, this Thor film will be this. And I think they succeeded, but also um, I think they're, they're doing a good job of pulling from the Marvel, you know, comic book universe. Cause this, I don't know the storyline uh, super deep, but this comes from the planet Hulk sort of thread where Hulk gets, you know, sort of exiled from Earth uh, for splitting off the Avengers and doing, uh, I'm not sure what. He goes to another planet. He becomes, he rules that planet and then he invades Earth, you know, with the inhabitants of that planet. And I think they're hinting at that with him being off world. And, uh, and, you know, obviously I don't think the, Jeff Goldblum planet is going to be that planet, but uh, we'll see what happens from there. Uh, I mean, any movie with Jeff Goldblum as the kind of, you know, a pseudo bad guy in a way uh, or, or enabler is fine with me. <laughs> <laughs> and Korg. Korg was amazing. Yes, Korg was definitely amazing. So um, uh, what do you think, Matt? I mean, you know, like in terms of the plot, that is. Yeah, I mean, I think of all the three uh, of all the three Thor movies in particular, I think this is the best one by far. I mean, it's the most fun. It's the most entertaining. I think um, uh, the visual effects, for the most part, I think are really strong. Uh, there's some really, actually, super interesting visual effects too that I actually thought were phenomenal. Um, <laughs> but then. Um, 
you know, I, I just think uh, this director, his sensibility, his sense of humor, his personality, um, and the desire to create something that kind of, you know, dab, dabbled a little bit more into this sort of Guardians of the Galaxy kind of um, uh, vibe, as well as uh, I, I did hear an interview, and I, I thought it made me think of you, Mike. Uh, it was an interview with the director where he talked about how one of his favorite movies as a kid was the... Um, the Flash Gordon Queen movie. And he said that in the interview, oh, which, I I, I, which I know, Mike, is one of your not so favorite films. Well, <laughs> We've talked about that a couple of times. Quite liked, but, but I was just quite like the Queen song. <laughs> well, yeah. And that, that was the thing is he said that if Freddie Mercury had still been alive, he really wanted to get a Queen and Freddie Mercury to do the soundtrack to this Thor movie, which would have been just so amazing. But I think they really did something really fun and really unique. They set this in a, a totally different world outside of the worlds we've seen in the Marvel universe, but with characters that we know, and um, and then added a bunch of new characters who were just as much fun and charismatic, whether it was the, the Valkyrie or uh, the Kate Blanchett uh, baddie, oh my or, god, uh, or even the Keith Urban conflicted uh, traitor, or certainly as we've talked about, Korg or uh, Meef or Meek or whatever his Meek. name was, Meek. Meek, and um, you know they've added so much stuff to this world, and some of the designs in this were so fun, like and well, they, they went sort back of to even the mock Kirby. their designs. Well, yeah, and even but even like the ship, the big ship, uh, yeah, that they put all the people from Asgard on, it looks like something straight out of a Mobius comic, you know, yeah. like, I mean, just a lot of really neat things happening in this picture that I think really expanded the universe in a way that was, at least for me, it, I just thought it was really, really fun. It was, it felt fresh in a way that I think um, the Marvel movies kind of need, uh, if they're going to keep going and keep this sort of long-term plan afloat, I think they really needed to mix it up and do something that was different. And I feel like with this one, they really... Um, they really succeeded. I, I, I totally well, agree they just with you. Announced, Sorry, go on. I was going to say they just announced, Kevin Feig just announced 20 more Marvel movies. Really? Jesus. So, yeah, they're going to do have <laughs> well, 40 total in the Marvel Cinematic Universe. So, buckle up. Wow. I mean, here's the thing. Well, it's great news for a visual effects artist, for sure. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, there's a huge amount of work that's um, been provided to a huge number of visual effects artists. Uh Around the world, I've got to say, like for yeah. me, um, I was struck by a couple of things. Firstly, like I do think it's terrific, and I love the character stuff, um, and you know, having the kind of uh, enthusiastic but kind of naive Thor. We got a little glimpse of that in the first one, um, but I, I got a taste of it the most in the interim between the last film and this when they started putting out these little things on the web where Thor was hanging out with a guy in Queensland. Did you see those? Like little oh, yeah. vignettes? Yeah. yeah, yeah. And he was like sort of, you know, flatmating. And then um, uh, Banner, of course, who was obviously here in Australia filming with this uh, production, um, had a cameo in that web video where he's like uh, being asked why he didn't uh, contact Thor to be part of the uh, last uh, sort of clash of the uh, – the war that they had, and it's just this great line where um, he delivers this thing about, like, if you've got a phone, no, it doesn't have a phone, it doesn't have a phone. It's telling him to send a raven. And I, I just, like, yeah. it just for me, that line just <laughs> lands so well, right? It's like this kind of naive, enthusiastic, um, but, you know, like, yeah, sure, kind of like all-in kind of thing that is so appealing. The, now, on the flip side of that, you, you have got this problem that all these films end in the formula of the third act is a big fight. Now, I've got to say... I, I'd be surprised if you guys didn't agree with me that the fight on Asgard at the end is kind of the least interesting part of the film. It's not that it's bad. No, I think that's true. It's just yeah, not. I'd agree. It's like yeah. kind of we've done it, right? Like we've done the one-on-one -on -one battle between Iron Man and Captain America. We've done the huge battle of all New York. We've done the, you know, the mega battle in Avengers. We've done the mini battles. Um, and it's kind of at some point you're like, oh, okay, we're up to the point where we have the battle now. Okay, sure. <laughs> and it's going to look like they're going to lose and they look like they're going to be overrun and then, of course, they don't and they win and, you know, it's all happiness. Um, yep. It's hard I mean, it to was, break that. It was somewhat anticlimactic because, I mean, you know, like I'll watch Kate Blanchett read the phone book. Like, oh, I, yeah. You know, she's totally. for multiple reasons. And and her Susie and the Banshees vibe, you know, in this movie was I'm all, all about it. 
Uh, but, you know, in reality, spoiler alert, you know, as if we didn't need to say that from the beginning, but, you know, he just, you know, brings out the giant beast that destroys her. Like, it wasn't a huge battle, you know what I mean? I mean, there was a battle with her initially, but then, really, they solve it pretty fast. Loki's like, mm-hmm. oh, I'll go get the mask, you know. Yeah, but like having tons of minions that are just running at our heroes and them getting yeah. destroyed with sort of monotonous yeah. regularity. And, uh, and, and it's not that it was bad. It's just like I didn't expect any other different outcome, you know. It's a story thing, not an execution yeah, thing. Yeah, yeah. Because, I mean, you sort of, that's the structure, unfortunately. You, you know, yeah. It's a bit like that sort of sitcom problem um, they, they got into for a long time with sitcoms where it was like you had the what was called the stuck-in sitcom. Like character comes along, has problem, character gets stuck in something, like gets stuck with their hand in the drain, gets stuck in the lift, gets stuck, you know, handcuffed to their buddy, whatever it is. Um, we then see them overcome difficulty in a humorous way and at the end obviously it's solved, right? And it was like it's yeah. sort of even though it's very funny along the way, you kind of know exactly what's going to happen. And this one it's like, you know, something's going to loom that's going to threaten to destroy everything. The, it's all looking a bit bleak. We suddenly mm-hmm. band together, you know, foes turn around, people that look like they were apathetic aren't. It looks impossible. Oh, no, wait, they won. Um, and, of course, you'd argue in this one they didn't win because they lost Asgard. But um, still, it just means I don't find that third act super interesting uh, unless I agree. Yeah. I, I, I think that's kind of the problem with a lot of these kinds of movies though and it's something that I know has been discussed certainly in reference to uh, Justice League in the last couple of weeks but which is that you know the the bad guy is the least interesting character in a lot of these movies now I think the Kate Blanchett character was a great sort of baddie for this movie but I almost think that the story that they tell in sort of uh, flashback, the story of the sort of vanquishing of the Valkyries yeah. or whatever. Oh, like, yeah. That's the movie I kind of wished I'd seen in a way in terms of, you know, the sort of uh, attempt to rise in power of this kind of, you know, sister of Thor or whatever, or daughter of Odin. Um, I, I kind of wish we'd seen that movie. Like it looked like there was a lot of interesting stuff going on there that would have been really cool to see at some point. Well, the other thing and I'd say I is- think in the end, I was going to say the only thing is that occasionally you come up with a different fight, right? And so if you can come up with a visual effects different fight, then it can be quite interesting. Like I actually think the fight in Doctor Strange, which is exactly the same kind of uh, formula, Mm -hmm. but the fight Mm -hmm. was really interesting because it had the time thing going backwards and it was so visually engaging that it was interesting. Whereas, you know. And I think we talked about Thor 2, the Dark World, the second Thor film, and talked about that battle at the end as being something that was actually from a visual effects standpoint, really interesting because it involved all the, like, was it, I, I don't know what they called wormholes or something where they were going through these yeah. portals basically. Yeah. And, and it sort of added this kinetic energy to that final scene as well. And so that made it kind of more interesting or different in a way. Yeah, I think that was the case. I think the first film for me was uh, basically a cross between Flash Gordon and Xanadu. And I really didn't like it. I mean, <laughs> that's a great one. I would, Those yeah. are two good movies, though. Oh my God. What are you <laughs> talking not about? Together. You are a crazy man. What are you freaking kidding me? <laughs> yeah, man. Xanadu, Olivia Newton John on roller skates. Uh, Hello. Super. F- what? And, and what's his name from The Warriors? Come on. It's awesome. <laughs> yeah, right. Okay, sure. It's the 80s in California and, and, and murals. Yeah, no, really. And, and honestly, on my iPad, I play lots of, you know, let's get physical soundtracks. Um, anyway, getting back to reality for a second, um, the, uh, the thing about the films is that you do have to sort of come up with something and it's increasingly becoming a problem as to what that something is. Um, I think the second Guardians film had the same problem for me, right, which was it's just yeah, going to be a big yeah. battle and, you know, kind of like it's just – going to happen and eventually they're going to win and obviously they're going to win so there you go kind of thing um and and it's not just these films right i mean you get the same problem with a jurassic park or something else like that where you Mm -hmm. kind of build up to the big showdown and then you know there you go and it's going to seem impossible but um they're going to somehow pull it off i don't know how they're going to solve that i guess in, in infinity war it's got potential to do all kinds of interesting thing um civil war had a, a nice twist because it was our characters fighting each other and so, right. the, uh, uh, as your point was a second ago, I think that the bad guys were really interesting because the bad guys were the good guys. If it was. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, yeah. And I think, you know, I mean, I think the smart thing they do in this picture is just what we said at the outset, which is that they do inject this movie, which, you know, yes, the formula has become a little bit root, right? And you're looking for just a few things that are different with regards to visual effects, plot, character, whatever, where you can sort of break out of that mold. And I think what uh, the director and uh, and the team making the film did this time was they, they added... Uh, uh, and injected a huge amount of sort of camp and humor into this picture that I think really took the character Thor and the Hulk and all the other sort of um, ancillary characters into this other space that made it not a joke, but it was like you were in on the joke somehow, but it still had like well, elements of drama and seriousness to it. But there was a bit of camp, you know, that gave it, that made it, just so much more fun. It gave it something that it, a lot of the other films haven't had. Well, that's because also in the other films take place on earth. And so the only thing that's different is whatever's different on earth. In this case, right. we took our characters into a place that none of them knew what was going on <laughs> and their home was under attack and whatever. So the audience was learning along with Thor, which is all, or, you know, the main characters, which is always, more exciting when the audience isn't sure what's going on instead yeah, of that's a good okay point. I'm I'm at home basically on earth with the avengers waiting for something to happen let's see what the weird thing is so we'll know that's the gimmick or that's the the nod that an alien's coming or you know it's a thanos subplot or whatever in this one we had no idea what was going on because we've never been to this planet and thor hasn't been to this planet and quite frankly I think that Chris Hemsworth is a very has really good comedic timing. Yeah. Oh my God. Uh, yeah. Totally. And otherwise I don't, you know, obviously you couldn't pull this off with a, essentially a, I mean, Taika's movies are, a, you know, a solid mix of comedy and drama, dramedies yeah. and, you know, what have you. I mean, anyone who hasn't seen what we do in the shadows, you know, yes. it's just sitting on gold, you know what I mean? Or hey, we're werewolves, not werewolves. Too, I think. Um, yeah. <laughs> can I just say one thing? One of the interesting things about Infinity Wars coming up which is different to every film that's happened so far, is there is an opportunity around the end of this first, uh, whatever it is, phase three, whatever they call it, to kill some characters. Up until now, my other problem with this, and that's the problem with many films, is there's just no actual drama. I don't think that Thor's going to die. I don't believe that Hulk is going to die. So, you know, how can they be in real peril? Um, And without real peril, I'm kind of not in on the film. I'm not leaning into it. I'm just kind of sitting back and letting it wash over me. Whereas once we get to this uh, sort of Avengers 4 period, we know various actors' contracts are up. And so you could, I'm not saying they will, I no no insight, but I mean you could kill off a Robert Downey Jr. and have somebody else take over the Iron Man suit or Chris. Which has happened in the comics. Exactly. Chris Evans in particular, um, Captain America does get replaced uh, in the comics. So, you know, uh, maybe harder for Mark Ruffalo, but I mean, you know, there you go. But the thing is, we could lose some characters and and that could give it some actual significance. Well, for Mark Ruffalo, they could go Grey Hulk, which means, you know, that's when the Hulk stays the Hulk all the time, but also has Banner's brain. So then they would he would be a full digital character the whole time and Ruffalo mm. wouldn't have to do anything. Right. You know what I mean? Um, I will say this. You guys haven't seen Justice League, have you? No, Thank God, not yet. No. Yeah. <laughs> it, it really... It really is the worst of everything we've discussed. Yeah, mustache gate. Yeah. Um, Do you want to explain that comment? Oh, sure. Even though, even though I myself uh, hate using the word gate because Watergate was not water something. Yes. It was the Watergate Hotel, so you can't actually use gate. But that's being facetious. Um, Yes, (laughs) the Superman's mustache, which I really wish they would have just left him have a mustache because that would just be cooler. But he, uh, uh, Henry Cavill had a, had, they had finished his shooting, uh, before Joss Whedon came in to finish, um, Justice League and he was on Mission Impossible 4000 and he grew a mustache for the contractual, a contractual mustache for that movie in which he was unable to remove said mustache for contractual reasons until all shooting was done. (laughs) And he then had to do reshoots or pickups or additional filming on Justice League. 
and he was unable to shave the mustache off. So they had to digitally remove it, which from what I've seen online looks terrible. Well, it's so dumb. I, I don't understand why. Why would you be contractually prevented from shaving a mustache? Because that you would, other- but, but that you would have to remove digitally when it would be so much easier. I've seen so many fake mustaches in movies that look totally real. I've seen a lot of really bad beards and stuff. Yeah. <laughs> but I've seen some really but, realistic mustaches. Like, my, what is the big deal? As my friend Scott pointed out when I asked him, when I made the same argument, he said, because if you were that other studio, you'd say, well, I don't give a shit. I don't want to do any digital fakery. He got a mustache. He's going to keep the mustache because he signed the contract. Well, it doesn't Tough have to be shit. digital. It could be practical. You well, know? you know but what I mean? Just, I'm just saying they just... I'm sure. Stupid. I'm sure somebody at Warner Brothers was like, "Come on, please let him shave the goddamn mustache." And somebody else was like, "No." I I had heard a I had heard a story that they actually had made a a pitch saying if they let him shave the mustache, what was the thing I heard? I can't remember now, but it was that Warner Brothers would pay the the other way. Yeah, they were going to pay the other way, and and they they still the other studio that had the contractual mustache refused, and it, it just seems so dumb, like so petty. So know? anyway, the, yeah, the upside whatever. of this is in the opening of the film, <laughs> he's talking to some kids, so it's a terrible angle for a mustache because it's a kid looking up at the face, and um, and I just looked at it and I went, oh my god, that's a really bad digital version of Superman. Why are they doing a digital head of Superman? Like I literally like was just immediately thought I was looking at CG off the whole head because I was so like, hmm. that head's wrong. And, of course, what was wrong was his upper lip. Now, here's the thing. This is where we, where we now dovetail into visual effects. I, I'm going to call it and say I actually think that while that was a dumb decision, I can't believe that was done by – and I don't know who did it, but I can't believe that was done by Lola or, or one of the greats because, you know, I've seen other films. Even recently um, uh, I saw um, uh, the uh, Downsizing. And, you know, I know for a... Oh, for a, I'm excited to see that. Yeah, oh, so I know cool. in, in that, um, and you've probably seen it in the trailers, right? They've yeah. got the shaved head of, uh, or shaved face of the lead actor who's been, you know, has to be shaved to be shrunk, right? Now, Matt Damon had hair and he had a skull cap on, obviously, for covering it, but that was digitally. He had eyebrows, they were all removed, and it looks perfect. So um, hmm. they, didn't, they just didn't shave his head. Um, so... Hmm. In that context, uh, I'm going to have to say I'm giving that one a C to the visual effects team that did the uh, the work. So I just don't, I just don't think that it's um it's good enough. I mean, it's not that it's good enough. I just don't think that it works. Anyway, yeah, I mean, but it's I, something I, that it's something that could be done well, but you know, with it's the right really time hard, and budget. And, but obviously, yeah. we've seen from other Marvel films where we've seen de aging and other stuff that really hard still can be done. Um. Anyway, getting back can to Can I switch this? Yeah, sure. Can I switch this from from another franchise's bad VFX to this film's one of basically my favorite visual effects in the whole movie, which Matt alluded to earlier, which is well, I'll use the Valkyrie scene as a example. When they do those big, basically like gatefold spread, yep. comic book style, high frame rate, basically poster frames. Yep. I wanted to like scream out in the theater because it was so gorgeous and so totally. beautifully done, especially, well, all of them really, but I like especially that you know the Valkyrie. That that's what I was referring to. That's cool. Oh, of course. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, the, the Valkyrie one in particular, I thought was stunning. Yeah. Yeah. I was, mean, my yeah. mouth was open the whole time, just like, what? That was, like, done, the, that was done by Rising Sun's. Uh, studios, and I'll tell you something really interesting. If you haven't read the FX Guide article on this, because um, we got a whole thing on that. So, if you've watched um, uh, the Shadows film, you'll remember that one of the characters in that uh, is a mate of the guys, and that particular actor also has um, is part owner of a lighting company, and the lighting company produced the sort of effectively strobe lighting rig uh, that you see that uh, produces some of that. So that shot of the Valkyries is shot um, shot in Queensland on a phantom camera at incredibly high frame rates. The camera could actually go at 900 frames. I don't know if they actually use it at 900 frames, but, but anyway, it could. Um, so Jack Morrison actually got the uh, the team, the official supervisor, in to, to 
set this up and uh, and do it. And the satellite uh, lab dynamic lighting system that they put in is a bank of 200 strobe lights. And those strobe lights allow you to sync up what's going on between the phantom and these incredibly fast uh, changing lights. So wow. back in what we do in the shadows, um, Stuart, uh, or Stuart Rutherford, um, <laughs> the, the actor you see on screen as Stu is in fact uh, one of the co-owners of the camera company, high-speed lighting company. Oh, that's that awesome. does it. Yeah. And so they uh, hooked that up with, um, with the vision research to get them sunk so what you're getting is the lights changing rapidly on the characters while happening in slow motion, which, of course, the trouble with very high speed, and I guess, Jason, you know this better than almost anyone, but if you shoot high speed, it actually can get kind of dull because nothing changes because that's the whole point of it, right? Yeah. Um, so yeah. having the light spinning effectively 360 degrees uh, per second <laughs> around um, – and uh, changing means that the lights are flashing and doing really cool and interesting things. But in fact, the motion is super slow. And the shot where she comes off, you know, she comes off her her charge and she's falling. And it's it's yeah. exactly the poster frame that you would like just fall in love with. That was the first frame they ever kind of nailed in that ethereal uh, kind of sequence. And they were like, yep, that's the look. Now make everything look <laughs> like that. And I, I yeah. do agree with you. It's just, it's, it's painterly gorgeous. It's just, yeah. It, but it's not yeah. painterly because it's got all That's this it. moving light, but it's just magnificent. It makes no logical sense. But then why does it need to, right? It's just, it's, yeah, exactly. It's, it's some beautiful kind of, cinematic I, composition and art. Just and the gorgeous. other, the other um, uh, shot that I was thinking of that really was very similar is there's one on the Rainbow Bridge where Thor yeah. kind of gets his juice like without his hammer and he like, leaps uh, across the bridge towards a, a sort of a horde and it's a similar shot was there an was there another one or any others there's that, four i think i could be wrong I, I, do you remember what the others were i can't i can't recall yeah. in my mind i want to say there's four for some reason i don't know if i just made that up or if in my, i subconsciously counted them but i know there i know there's, there's there's the there's the one you just said which is the last one there's yeah. the Valkyrie one, which is in the middle. There's at least one more. Uh, uh, so there's a minimum of three. I'm almost positive. I just but, love like that that the stylistic and visual technique uh, that they utilize to do something that you know from a visual effects standpoint and from a storytelling standpoint too. It just it had such a different flair it had a different flavor and it was it felt really f like those were really <laughs> i feel like i'm using all these f words but it had a different uh um uh quality to it like it was nothing that we'd seen in previous yeah. marvel films you know it well, felt it felt really it was fresh you know as a thing well the the thing that's interesting is is similar to i think the point we all made in in uh, Doctor Strange, where they took the third act fight and made it backwards, which I think yes, yeah. by all accounts, that idea was what won the director the job in his pitch meeting. Mm. Um, all these fights, especially like if you go to the DC universe and you think about like the first Batman, Nolan, Nolan Batman, even the second one, all the fight scenes are always so close and claustrophobic to feel like, oh, cha, 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 cha. there's all this fast action. And you kind of it's more of an emotional thing than a visual thing at times. And mm -hmm. in this case, they went the reverse, super slow motion, super wide poster frame that you can like stare at for like 30 seconds and be like, yeah, and look at everything and like slow down, even though it's the height of the action. So it's like I think it's a really it's a super smart idea to to also it's it is a comic book movie. So like let's focus on some art for a second and like sure. make people and to to Taika's point in in some of the interviews and stuff I read that he's a huge Jack Kirby fan and to like, which informed clearly a lot of the designs and stuff, but obviously that means he's a fan of the artwork. And so back to my previous point, I think, you know, uh, uh I don't know if he's the one who came up with the idea for the, this, you know, to do this. Yeah, I think it was actually the visual effects supervisor. If I can just give him credit. I think that actually yeah, came yeah, yeah. from the VFX suit. Um, as I've heard, 
from the guys at Rising Sun. So I think it was Adam at Rising Sun that led their team. But Jake Morrison, Good for him. the visual effects supervisor of the whole thing, I think it was his personal kind of um, stamp that really you're seeing there. Awesome. Well, good work. Yeah, no, really. Um, can I ask you a couple of other things about characters for a second? So if we, I had this sort of thing I was talking about rigging on FX guides, I'd like to discuss the rigging of the characters. And you start up one end and you've kind of got very realistic but fairly traditional rigging around Thor and um, Hela because they're both, you know, obviously humanoid. And as you move across the spectrum, I mean, um, the dog, the wolf, uh, that uh, they're obviously fighting. That's you know uh, part of that end uh, battle. So Fenris is pretty much exactly the dimensions of a wolf. So in a mm-hmm. sense, the rigging and the character is like interesting because it's really big, but traditional. Then you get Hulk. Now we're starting to get humanoid, but no longer quite so realistic in its proportions. Uh, and of course, the demon D whatever they army is that is attacking. Then you've got. Um, these other interesting characters made of rock, made of fire that are way away from sort of a subsurface scattering type model character. They've still got sort of uh, a bipedal nature and you end up with Meek who's neither, a, I mean, he, <laughs> he has kind of got limbs, but they, most of what you're seeing is the robot controlled limbs attached to his kind of slug-like body. <laughs> um, and it's an interesting range that, that companies had to work on there. I mean, ILM didn't just do Thor, but ILM has been traditionally the home of Thor. Um, they actually handed off the end, uh, sorry, Hulk. They've been the home of Hulk and they handed off Hulk mm-hmm. to Framestore for the like third act. Um, but pretty much they were driving Hulk. The other characters, uh, a lot of them, um, were either coming out of ILM or coming out of Framestore and then being handed off to other companies like Luma and stuff who did you know, an outstandingly good job. Uh, but, you know, Korg was a design that Luma picked up. I think Luma Pictures did a spectacular job in animating that. Um, but, you know, the character design was kind of built out, as I say, out of uh, Framestore's work. So what do we think of this range of characters? Like of those ones we just described, rather than just going through them one by one, do, like do all of them work? Do, just from a technical level, do some of them work better than others? <laughs> I mean, I, th- I think they 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 largely work uh, across the board. I actually, I mean, <laughs> it's sad to say, but I mean, I, I love... Uh, Korg and and Meek. I mean, they're the most fun characters in the in the whole movie, really. But I think they're probably, well, maybe not Meek, but I think Korg, although he's probably my favorite, I think he's kind of the least interesting design. Okay. Like I, I didn't find him to be all that exciting or interesting. I thought um, the things that they were able to achieve uh, with with Hulk this time, where he really is, he has to emote. He's speaking. Mm-hmm. Um, I thought there were a lot of things that they did with Hulk in this, where he really looked for the first time to me so much more like Mark Ruffalo yeah. uh, in some of the scenes. And I thought his... Um, the scene where they're in uh, Hulk's, I guess, uh, you know, his apartment or yep. whatever it is, right? I thought uh, all that stuff with him was was pretty strong. I thought it worked really well. Um, you know, I, I don't think uh, there were any characters. And then, of course, the, the guy at the opening, I can't remember his name, but the giant flame yeah. uh, character. And then the dragon, too. There's a dragon yep. that uh, chases Thor at one time, I think. I think overall, like the the creature and character work was was really strong. I mean, if I had any, uh, certainly from an animation standpoint, from a rendering standpoint, um, a rigging standpoint, I thought it was all really good. If I had any qualms with any of it, I think it would have just been maybe merely from uh, a design standpoint, but that's not really, you know, the visual effects uh, coming into play in any way. And that would have just been Korg, who I love, but I thought he just he maybe because he's made of rocks right there's nothing really dynamic about him right like he's he's kind of i mean i guess the way the rocks move over each other is dynamic but that's so subtle in a strange way like when you're looking at his face it's like it's more like a um you know like a it almost looks more like a prosthetic you know even though i know he it's looks, all cg yeah he looks like the rock guy from neverending story just smaller yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh, or like, which or was, like uh, which was Benjamin Grimm. 
yeah, yeah. And I, I think puppeteering too. But I mean, I I agree with Matt. Uh, but I don't think Korg needed to be more than that because his dialogue was, his character was all about his dialogue. And I think if you had <laughs> a character that was distracting visually, you wouldn't listen to what he says. And because what he says is really the the value i think did you did character. you connect him up with the character that me. thor was fighting in the previous film like in the previous film there's a i think it's a prelude section where he's on a planet and he's fighting a whole lot of rock guys did you like associate him with those characters because he's meant to be the same oh, not oh. at all no oh, i forgot i forgot that actually isn't it funny because i mean i was thinking that it's not very obvious but obviously thor killed a lot of his mates right <laughs> Yes, it's like an interesting thing that was kind of skipped over. Um, can I? Okay, I can raise a couple of interesting questions for you guys because for me, I actually thought it was fascinating because it's really hard to do animation on a rock guy without it not looking like rock and looking like sponge. So the right. technical execution of that, sure, I yeah. thought, was like really good. And then similarly, Sato, the who started Method Studios, did him in the early section where he's with Thor. Um, and and if I can focus on that. They, Method Studios didn't do the end one, but the, that's Megasato. But that first guy, again, just like um, Korg, you have to have a character that's sitting, chatting, playing in a comical kind of straight guy role to a whole lot of dialogue. But, I mean, you lose – you couldn't have his forehead moving because he has a helmet on. You couldn't right. see his eyes because they were full of flames. His skin was translucent. He was moving kind of – blurry kind of fire obviously and yet we still had to see lip sync and expression and at the other end of the spectrum you've got mm-hmm. Korg who's meant to be rock solid and yet we have no ability to have different colored eyes because it's all the same color <laughs> and we have to have him moving and emoting and looking kind of cash and producing all these emotions where theoretically it's rock so it shouldn't move at all <laughs> I thought both of those were like really difficult problems yeah well yeah to, that's I a good point to 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 exactly the point you're making, neither Matt or I pointed like had any negatives to say, which become positives because you weren't none of us right. thought, oh, he doesn't work. It actually works so well that he just became a character that you didn't think about. You know what I mean? See the character I thought was uh, less successful was the dog, the wolf, right? I actually thought hmm. that Fenris actually looked like a CG character. And I yeah, never well, once a big giant wolf. Yeah. I, I just never bought him once as anything but a CG dog. Um, well, when you're when you make a when you take something that the audience knows and just makes it bigger, and I'm, I'm not saying this derogatorily, I'm just saying uh, conceptually, if you take a wolf and make it big and it's a thing, your brain says, "Well, it's a big wolf. It's CG, obviously." And like you start to break no, it down. No, honestly, if you put We've a real s- wolf beside this wolf. You'd pick the real wolf in a country second. I no, mean, no, I, I'm no, I, that's what I'm saying. But I'm saying that that added to that, okay. you're, you're taking something that the audience already recognizes and clearly knows it's not real, uh, against something that they already know is not real. So they that doesn't even enter into their mind, like a the flaming like Sardor or 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 uh, or uh, right because it's because it's got so, a, a sort of more of a, a grounded point for me to look at. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like yeah. Well, reference. also, there's no reference. Yeah, no right. one's ever seen. Right. You don't know a real rock guy, and you don't know a guy on fire other than a Balrog. Yeah. The, the, I mean? the dragon or, is a, compared to dragons that I've been hanging out with. On yeah. Weekends. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So, <laughs> so it's it's probably harder to do the big wolf, and at the same time, probably less necessary. Although it's probably something from the comic, so you know they they're bound by certain creative things. I always just think of Dio, the first you know, Dio record when I, ever I see, uh, <laughs> whenever I see any flaming, you know, giant horned guy, but that's just me. Uh, I, that is so I, just you. Jason. That is so, yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what did you guys think of Hulk's face? He's got a new haircut, thought, new face. Yeah. I think to Mark, to, um, Matt's point, the, it looked more like Mark Ruffalo, but also, also in that scene, his like giant hot tub apartment scene, you know, he has to play against Thor in a comedic like timing situation. And it was worked really well. Obviously the editing helps, but, uh, you know, and even his butt, you get to see his butt, you know, uh, <laughs> but 
I thought that was funny, that whole bit about him getting out of the tub. And he's like, oh, I've seen that. No, I don't want to remember that. You know, whatever. I, I like uh, the uh, I'm fire, your water. I'm like yeah. lukewarm water, whatever that line. That was a. Yeah. 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 Like a smoldering um, but, fire. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but. Uh, I kind of preferred, uh, I guess yeah, I, mean, I, I kind of preferred the other Hulk face. The Avengers Hulk. I kind of preferred that face. I know the theory is that in this one he has to lip sync and in this one he's been Hulk a lot longer. So he's able to, he's like more evolved as Hulk. That's the sort of logic of it. And I I kind of thought the most successful Hulk for me on screen was the Hulk that was against, um, well, not against, but was being soothed back uh, in the jungle sequence at the beginning of the Avengers film, which of course they reference in this one where um, Chris is so funnily running around kind of going, or rather Thor is running around doing the, um, you know, Hey, big guy, it's getting dark down. Sunscreen. Yeah. <laughs> and that was hysterically funny, right? Don't get me wrong. But the original scene that that referenced um, where Black Widow is talking him down, I mean, I think that was, you know, just about as good a piece of Hulk animation I've ever seen. I don't think I've ever seen anything that surpasses that. But maybe this is me. I think, I mean, my, I guess my take on it would be that I think the Thor that you're describing in, I guess, the last Avengers movie, he, or I'm sorry, the Hulk yep. that you're describing in the last Avengers movie, he looks more like the comic book Hulk to me, if yeah. I were to pick him square, apart. Square Whereas head. I feel like this, yeah, exactly. Like a much more, um, yeah, just like what you'd see in the drawings, really. Like, whereas uh, I think there's something about the performative component in this film where the facial capture maybe just because of the lip sync, but I think also because maybe what you're saying too, Jason, like the need to sort of kind of be either the straight man or the comedian in the exchange with, um, with Chris Hemsworth. Like I think, uh, they, they brought so much more humanity to his face and to mm-hmm. his facial expression. Like he, he seemed like he was capable of more, um, like, uh, conveying more with subtleties of in movements of facial muscle muscles or subtleties in the movement of the eye or of the lips and stuff like, and there were times where I felt like he was saying a lot without speaking in this movie too, which was, which was interesting. I mean, they're both really good. I just, but you could definitely see there was a different aesthetic to the face in this film, uh, than in the previous I have to say that we, it's so easy to skip over. I'm going to force us to not do it. Like at, um, say, Framestore, right? I think they did like uh, 460 heavy-duty effect shots. They had 13 riggers working on that. The stuff that we haven't discussed, we've just passed by as if like it wasn't there, is the enormous amount of work that companies like Framestore and ILM did on what I think is pretty much perfect work on digi-doubling uh, Helena and, um, and uh, Thor himself. Like... Both of those characters, Kate Blanchett's and Chris's character, um, clearly ton of digital double work, especially on oh, Kate, yeah. because Kate isn't wearing that costume. Kate isn't wearing that head rig. It's Kate's face in a CG body and head rig half the really? time. Really? Oh yeah, nearly all the time, right? And holy crap! I know, and it's just so freaking good. I mean, those guys are just so freaking good. And of course, we, you know, I mean, it's obvious that somebody that's made out of fire is is a CG character. It's obvious that Meek is a CG character because, you know, I guess you do it as a puppet. But, but when you get back to, you know, <laughs> Thor was just bloody looked like Thor. I mean, he just did, you know. And, yeah. and yeah. Kate Blanchett's body movements, um, everything about what she was doing in those fight sequences, the fight sequence that she did, um, which I think now is actually from, I'm going to say, Double negative? No, it wasn't double negative. It was one of the other great houses. Um, when, when she's fighting the battle in the, um, uh, you know, when she first appears on the planet and she, uh, on Asgard, yeah. just kills a whole lot of Asgard, Asgardians. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, it's a highly stylized sequence, but the body double work in that, I mean, I was just staring at it. And obviously you can pick some, you know, sort of theoretical physics that she moves, you know, super fast or whatever. But leaving that aside, just on a render, on a model, on a muscle, God, it seems incredibly good. I, I, yeah, I didn't pick any. I don't think on the two of them uh, did I ever did it ever jump out at me as this is you know clearly a body double. I mean, I assumed her hair 
and her headpiece were yeah. transitioned in CG. But I didn't assume they, you know, I mean, obviously the way she wipes it, you know, turns out, all right, I'm going to kick some ass now. And her hair turns into the horns or whatever. Um, well, you know, in that Rising Sun sequence that you, you liked, the Valkyrie attack? Yeah. They were down mm-hmm. to it was only, and there were shots in that, there was only Kate's eyes that were actually Kate. The rest of her face, <laughs> the rest of her body, and the rest of her head was all digital. I mean, now At that's Rising Sun. 900 frames a second. Yeah. CG at 900 frames a second. That's that's pretty bloody good. <laughs> No, yeah, it's, yeah, yeah, it's ridiculous because um, that's the thing is like, is like you know at at what point and 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 they didn't even have to do a mustache you know <laughs> removal. <laughs> <laughs> no, Kate is uh, is perfect. Kate is yes. Uh, yes. I, Being an Australian, I'm highly defensive. Actually, my only claim to no. fame in the entire world is actually to still with a husband. But um, oh well, <laughs> the, it's a small country, right? Um, the thing is, yeah. Um, and don't get me wrong, we weren't close friends or anything. Um, the thing is that uh, that work is so easy to jump by, sort of just, you know, dismissively move past as it were yeah. because you kind of don't notice it and you shouldn't. But, of course, when you stop and look at a frame where Thor is jumping up to hit Hulk, of course it's fully CG Thor, right? There's no way that they're, they're pulling that off with the correct um, everything with, uh, yeah. with rigs. Um, while we're on that, by the way, one thing that I'm fascinated to get your opinion on is did it, what did you think? Because the thing that's been criticized in this film is the sequence where she crushes uh, Thor's hammer, which was initially because they went to New York, hmm. if you remember, and um, right. and their father was homeless on the streets of New York and they found him in an alleyway where he was dying. And that's where that whole sequence takes place. And then they decide, well, that's a bit grim. And so he somehow miraculously... Um, leaves the nursing home, travels to Norway and walks around uh, without any yeah, visible means the, of support quite happily. The seaside cliffs. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And so a bunch of people have criticised that as being bad CG work, bad comping huh. and um, and sort of blue screen work. But more to the point, they were like, the one in the trailer back in New York looked awesome. Why did we go for the idealised Norway? Any any thoughts? I, I didn't completely even. forgot. Yeah, I didn't even happened. know about it. Yeah, I mean, I, I was totally unaware. I mean, I thought the uh, sequences on the cliff in Norway were clearly, uh, they kind of had a dreamscape kind of vibe to them. They didn't yeah. seem like they were supposed to look totally real. But Although the comp I, was, there was a reverse of them, of looking over, every time they looked behind them mm-hmm, to look out mm-hmm. over the cliff, now that you remind me, it was like, holy comp job. You know what I mean? Like it was literally <laughs> like, just like layer one, layer two, fine, send it out. You know what I mean? Well, like, except the, except I, the only thing I would say in favor of it though, and you know, this maybe speaks maybe to my own proclivities as it were with <laughs> regards to my cinematic tastes, but I actually did like uh, how on the rainbow bridge later in the film, there's a moment where Thor is riddled with, you know, this is a plot point, but I guess like where he's sort of riddled with self doubt and he's lost his power. He's lost his hammer and he sees a flashback. Uh, and they do it a couple of times, I think where he flashes back to his, yeah. his father on the cliff side and it's the camera moves in really quickly. And it's kind of corny, but like in a weird way though, I sort of dug it like editorially. I thought like, all right, that's like, it's pretty high was concept. The, was that like, the God of Hammers, God of Thunder line? Because I thought that landed I really can't, well. Because I think I think yeah, it, it might have been. I, I don't remember all, the exact line. I just remember no, he, it would, it would they, they come go back, back to, to it a Hopkins. couple of times. Yeah, Hopkins says uh, has he basically says your power's not in the hammer. Or something exactly. Like that. Yeah. yeah. You, but, he, yeah. but he says something like, "Are you the God of Hammers or the God of right? Yeah, God of yeah, Thunder? Yeah." yeah. Yeah, no, and I and I thought that stuff worked. Like, so you know, in in terms of, I didn't know about losing a sequence where they find him in an alleyway in New York. I mean, that would have been interesting too. Well, you can see it. It's in the, the first trailer. The first trailer. I mean, we've got it up on FX Guide, right? The first trailer has the yeah, shot I of should her. Go back and look at it. But her literally doing the whole thing in a alleyway, and then you like go to see the film, <laughs> and she's doing the whole thing in Norway. I said, Hang on a second. Right. Did I miss something? <laughs> yeah. I don't know. It, it's not something that really bothered me, I guess, like just personally. I didn't think about it. So so you've now presumably seen the trailer for the next film. I mean, the teaser trailer that is beyond a teaser that could have crushed the internet yeah. yesterday. 
We excited with your film? favorite character, Thanos, your favorite, my... Actually, he looks considerably better. <laughs> if you do an AB between the original version yeah. and, and I, somebody did that online today and the new version, he looks way yeah. better. The first version, he well, looks... Well, he looks so much stupid. like that actor, right? Well, yeah. Like, I mean... Brolin? Yeah. Yeah, he's got full Brolin going on in that Thanos <laughs> face. His chin needs to be bigger. And he's gone from blue his to eyebrows, pink. His eyebrows need to be bigger too. Like... Like Thanos's head is doesn't he looks more like he's got a helmet head than you know what I mean like he's got this big kind of uh, quilted eyebrows that he's got those lines in his face they go through his whole face not just like a goatee yeah in the first one he's purple and got the lines everywhere in this new one he's yeah. pink and doesn't yeah must <laughs> be that Earth Sun yeah that'd be it I reckon because <laughs> he was definitely purple in the. Yeah. When he was sitting in his incredibly <laughs> well, boring chair right? looking at the incredibly boring nothingness. Hey, yeah. I can do anything I want in space. So what I'm going to do is sit here and look at nothing with nothing in around me in my one chair. <laughs> like talk about being yeah. consigned to a torture chamber for eternity. I'm just going to sit here with nothing to do. Yeah, because that's how powerful <laughs> I am. He's beyond that, Mike. He doesn't need uh, – he's beyond space and time. He, is he doesn't else. need all those creature comforts, Mike. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> right. So what does he need exactly that he needs the hammer for? <laughs> he needs that he needs glove. the infinity gauntlet. Yeah, but what yeah, does he the want gauntlet. the glove for? So that he can get more it's peace and quiet sitting in a chair. chair looking at nothing? Yeah, he needs yeah. a bigger chair. He's bigger a chair, fan of Michael right. Jackson. Okay, so, so what he's after <laughs> with all this power is so that he can finally sit in the chair and not have anyone bothering him. Right. Yeah, it's a beer koozie. <laughs> some kind Infinity of Stone some kind of glove. weird male <laughs> retreat to the man cave toilet. Let me sit and read my <laughs> magazine in peace kind of fantasy thing going on here because it's clearly not the most interesting place in the world for anyone else. Yeah, true. I mean, I You've like looking it. at space as much as the next guy, right? But you know, quite frankly, but I mean, come on, have a, like yeah. a bar fridge, you maybe think a stereo or something. Maybe you think so they'll make say a spinoff football playing? Of, uh, Thanos? As guardians, as guardians of the galaxy, as guardians of the galaxy. Oh, I don't know. Something somebody leaked, um, either leaked or I read it. I don't think I've signed an NDA on this, so I'm pretty sure I'm, I'm not um, breaking anything. Somebody leaked the, the way that Thor gets to. You heard about this? How he gets to um, to meet the guardians. Mm-mm. So apparently he's floating in space, and they literally run into him, and he sort of slams onto the on the windshield of the uh, of oh, their yeah. ship, and um, you see that at the end of the film, and of course. Once you add the Guardians in to our current uh, set of characters and all these secondary interesting characters that are just... I mean, I just have no idea how long anyone's going to have in terms of screen time because, like, seriously... Well, it's like, two movies. Well, nevertheless, like... Still, yeah. There's a lot of people I mean, listen, track, I'm, I'm all for it because I was a huge fan of The Secret Wars in the 80s and that's basically everybody. Okay. All, you know, they're all together. So I'm all for it too, but I, I got to say the last, the most recent trailer for uh, Black Panther and the trailer for this new Avengers, although don't get me wrong, I'm going to see both of them, but like the newest trailer for uh, Black Panther so didn't, it wasn't as good as the first trailer. It like yeah. showed so much more and it looked way more like kind of a lot of temps, you know, in the trailer that yeah. I'm sure are not final VFX shots. And then the trailer for the new uh, Infinity War film, I don't know. Like, I mean, there's, it's cool. It's like, oh, cool. It's like, oh, there he is, you know, Captain America. He's got a beard and, you know, it's <laughs> like, there's cool stuff in it, but I, I just, I, 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 okay. I don't so know. Didn't, in, in finishing didn't up, do it for in me. finishing up, if you had to just vote either, you know, left or right, are we looking forward more to the next Star Wars or the next Marvel? Star Wars. Star Wars, I I have inside knowledge okay. that it's good. I, I don't want to know any spoilers, but I have to agree with you. I don't know any guys. spoilers. Okay, I have to agree with you. Oh. Like, it just seems to me that um, if nothing else, because Carrie Fisher's, like, passing makes it just incredibly moving. Um and also, oh, just to see Mark Hamill back oh, as Luke yeah. Skywalker, like I, I mean, it sounds so corny, like, but I, I mean, I can't wait to see that, like, just to see him 
playing that character as an old man, like, I mean, that's a really cool opportunity for any actor to play a character that they played when they were really young, starting their career to come back and play that character again. Like that's a really rare thing to be able to do and to do it. Harrison Ford just doing it in two movies. Well, (laughs) Yeah. Well, right, but I mean, but 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 it's still yeah. it's still rare, so, you know. I mean, it's it's cool. So, do you think I, any I can't of that, wait to see him again? Do you think any of that is got to do with my point about Jeopardy, which is Star Wars is killing characters and we're losing people, and it's kind of really meaningful. And the Marvel Universe, while terrific and funny, and just I'm going to go see it totally. It is like pretty safe territory that everybody's just going to win at the end. Well, also remember. Marvel is based on comic book stories that they have to adhere to somewhat, right? Or or they do amalgamations of storylines. So you and I and Matt may not know those storylines, but there's a huge portion of the movie goer who's like like my friend Mike, uh, DP Gomes that we shoot with. He knows all the comic stories. He's like, oh, yeah, that's from that, that's from that. So it's that's like from canonical that. so he's, for him. He's, yeah, I mean, so well, so is Star Wars, right? Like yeah. there is canon they have to fit into. Rogue One had to fit into canon in a certain way. So granted, they're making the canon for seven, eight, nine, but they still have to adhere to some, but they are now, because they're moving forward in the canon, they're able to do unexpected things. Well, I must admit- Such I, as but killing I mean, Han Solo. Yeah, but it wasn't just Han, right? Like, I mean, look at Rogue One, like how many people died in that? Yeah. Like it was- Right. Th- th- I just feel like those films, I, I get more engaged with the- ca- I mean, I, I don't, get me wrong, I don't think anything's been funnier or better than this film, right? I think this film's absolutely really well done and, and incredibly enjoyable. I'm just a fraction concerned that it won't age with the kind of majestic nature that's, that it could. Maybe, I don't know, could be wrong. But, um, but I feel like the Star Wars films, mm-hmm. are, there's more jeopardy and hence I'm, I'm just leaning into them more. Yeah. yeah. Well, I think they're different. They're different. They're sort of different creatures too, though, in a way. I think, I think there's an aspect of the Star Wars universe, the Star Wars films as franchise that is, it's just a bit more serious in a way where Saga. I think that, yeah, like, and whereas I think the Marvel stuff, it's like, it's, there are serious moments, there's dramatic moments, there's poignant moments between characters that you come to really enjoy watching, but it's, it's a, it's just a lighter fare overall, I feel like somehow like, or it doesn't necessarily or has yet anyway to have the kind of, um, the depth, uh, maybe and gravitas that would come with, you know, uh, loss and things of that nature. You know, we, I'm sure we'll see some characters, uh, killed off. (laughs) It's gotta happen. Right. But it's like, uh, you know, will it still have the same impact? I don't know. Like there's also more of a familial aspect to, um, well, while, know, while I'm on this, while too. I'm on this role, and just absolutely, I promise this is the last question. If you had to name two greatest franchises that you like the most, what would they be? A franchise defined to be more than a couple of films, right? Like, more than a film. Well, how and many a franchises are there really? Well, I mean, I the, guess the big ones. Like, there's this. Yeah. There's there's the Bond films. There's the Star Wars films. Oh, sure. I mean, these are the big franchises that are multi-generational that have been running for decades. I mean, they're, they're a short, you know, I mean, I can't get past The Godfather as, you know, three films that are yeah. just some, first two are just, you know, faultlessly yeah. brilliant. But, um, uh, but for these big, long sort of multi-generational sort of things, like it's hard. I mean, like, you know, DC's I mean, proving. I'm not a Harry Potter guy, but... Like, well, and there's Planet of the Apes. Planet of the Apes. I would say, I would say the Planet of the Apes trilogy is the current one is pretty up there. Yeah, it's pretty good. But it would it be a top two? You know, it's like no, that would be tough. No, man. I mean, yeah, no. I mean, I mean, Star Wars. Star Wars for me would have to be number one. Like, yeah, you know, it's like I, I can't, I can't I mean, leave I'd that put one Marvel behind, at but. number two just for the sheer volume of. And films, and and, maybe? In, and they have know. had a pretty bloody good track yeah. record. I mean. There are films that a I don't like a lot. A lot of fun. But, I mean, I don't yeah. like the original Thor that much. I still saw it. But, I mean, I would say that it's a yeah. long time since I went and saw, if I can even remember one, where I went and saw a Marvel film and I went, well, that was just a clunker. Um, and if Patty, if, Patty, if Patty Jenkins got to make a trilogy of Wonder Woman movies, like that, that might be up there too. Like that first one was so good. Like yeah. I don't really 
you know, I don't care about the Justice League or anything, but, you know, if I could just Except, watch movies about that character. Well, you're going to get that because DC abandoned their cinematic universe. Yes. Oh, really? Yeah. 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 Because they want Matt Reeves, who did the Planet of the Apes, well, two of the three Planet of the Apes movies, they wanted him to take over Batman. And he said, oh, I'll do it, but I want two things. I don't want to use Ben Affleck or his script. And I want to make a trilogy and it doesn't have to, it's not going to have anything to do with your cinematic universe. And they were yeah. like, whatever you want. <laughs> oh, I didn't even read that news. That's pretty cool. Yeah. Guys, we have yeah. to I wrap mean, it I'm up there. We're uh, running yeah. out of time, but um, it's been yeah. terrific talking to you. Guys, if you have two um, that you've been yelling at the at your uh, audio device saying, why aren't you talking about this? Um, just drop us an email. Send us something on Twitter. We'd love to hear from you. If you want to yell at Matt, uh, Matt, where's the best place for people to yell at you? You can always yell at me uh, on Twitter at Matt Wallen or at Virginia Commonwealth University uh, where I teach as full-time faculty in the School of the Arts. And Jason, where people can yell at you if they're infuriated by your uh, heavy metal references? Probably Facebook, okay. where I inordinately post things that hopefully will make people either mad or fun or happy. <laughs> or make me unable to get into the U.S. on a visa. And, uh, yeah. <laughs> and of course, you can follow me on Twitter. I make some more, more over at FX Guidecast. It's been terrific having you. Guys, thanks so much for listening to us. We really appreciate it. Um, we've got a whole lot more stuff coming up, obviously. But we're approaching uh, Christmas, and that means fun Star Wars action, which I guarantee you we're going to be talking about. Until next time, I'm Mike Simmel. Thanks so much. See you. If you have any questions or comments, please email us at vfx at fxguide.com. Copyright FX Guide, LLC.